0: Thanks for downloading this podcast.
1: It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission.
2: Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting Radiolamon.com.
1: Around the world.
2: Around the clock.
1: Endurance racing direct to you.
2: Radiolamon.com.
1: Welcome to RadioLamon.com and coverage of the roar before the 24 for 2015. Jim Roller with you, along with Shay Adam here at Daytona International Speedway, where we are in the midst of the final day of three days of testing before this year's running of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. And Shay, after two days of cold, dry running, today has dawned warmer. But a lot wetter. Yeah,
3: that's a pretty severe understatement. It is wet, wet, wet out there. Cars are running their full wet tires. As we see uh, right behind us, Jim, the Michael Shank racing car just pulled in. Steam coming off the wet tires. But they are out running. We have several teams not running today from crash damage or from wet weather choosing not to run uh one of those was Mazda. we Will speak to some people from them later, including Jonathan Balmerito. But it is very wet outside, and teams already pulling in from the track, saying it's not worth running.
1: Well, last night they did run night practice, and we promised you at the end of uh, yesterday's program that we'd have an update for you on that. And it was indeed the defending race champions, the Action Express Corvette DP with Joao Barbosa, Christian Fittipaldi, and Sebastian Bourdais who were quickest in that session. And then in the GTLM category, it was the number 98 car. That's the Pedro Lamy, Darren Turner, Della Lena, and Matthias Lauda. Aston Martin, Vantage V8. That is the third session that they have been quickest in. So it's been a very good test for them.
3: Very impressive from the Aston Martin crew. And as we saw in the PC category, it was, again, our defending race winners, the number 54 core autosport leading the way in the night practice. And in GTD, we saw the 28 of Conrad Motorsports leading their second session of this test so far. The times were not as low as we were necessarily expecting to see, but still we are seeing people pushing and trying to get the most out of their cars.
1: Shay, one of the other teams that's heading home early is the entire Corvette squad. Danny Binks, a couple days of running. Have we we learned what we're going to learn?
4: I think we have. uh, You know, a little bit of rain this morning, and and that's what they're saying for this afternoon. Uh, You know, Simon and uh, Briscoe got up to speed. The other guys are switched on, you know. So uh, we just need to get home, get working on our stuff, and uh, the weather's bad, so we're just trying to get the trucks home so we can get working.
1: What were you able to accomplish? I'm sure you came in with a list. I'm sure you're not going to tell me what was on that list, but are you happy with what you were able to accomplish?
4: Yeah, I mean, these guys, uh, you know, we prepared all the stuff, all the changes, and uh, got through them and even added some. So I I think we were ahead of the game anyways with this many runs. You know, yesterday we ran four times. So uh, after a while, it's just burning fuel. So we got through what we needed, and I think we're in pretty good shape.
1: What's going to be the key in two weeks to pull it all together? Well,
4: stay running, you know. Don't be in the pits. Uh, don't have anything silly happen like, uh, you know, the air jack broke at Le Mans on us, the air jack wand on the side. So, anyways, uh, if we can keep it running and uh, stay out of trouble, we'll win it.
1: Now, you said get back to the uh, shop. What happens when you get back to the shop? Do we tear them all down, rebuild them? What's the, what's the agenda? Because in reality, yeah, we say two weeks, but in reality, you got about a week.
5: Yeah,
4: we got to load on, on Saturday. So uh, all the sub-assemblies are done, new uprights, uh, transmissions are ready. Um, the engines are ready, but we'll run practice engines here. So, uh, you know, uh, it's mostly just cleaning them up again and uh, putting the suspension on. That's about it. So, you know, three, four days at the shop, we'll be in good shape.
1: How do you keep track of all that detail? Because that's what we're down to now. the, the, the course adjustments, The course adjustments have been done. Now we're into the fine-tuning and the details. How do you keep track? You're the guy in charge. How do you keep track of all those details?
4: Well, we got the best guys, I think, anywhere, and, uh, you know, there's 200 parameters that we keep track of, and, uh, you know, all the mileage is on all the pieces and everything, and, uh, you know, our guys are just amazing. I'm just the guy that gets to talk to you. You know, all these guys are the guys that are doing the work, getting all the right stuff on, and uh, making it happen, so... Uh, the cars are in good hands, and uh, it's, I'm just fortunate enough to talk for them. Well,
1: you got a plane to catch. I'll let you go. Have a good uh, couple of weeks at home, and we'll see you uh, back down here for the uh, Rolex 24. All right.
4: Thanks for everything.
3: Well, the guy who drove off with the GTD championship last year was Dane Cameron. And, Dane, you find yourself in a much different car this year, a prototype. What sort of adjustment have you had to make to go from the slowest category to the fastest?
6: Yeah, the biggest change uh, in moving up from GTD to prototype will be will come in the races and dealing with the traffic. So instead of being in the bottom tier and spending basically all your time looking behind and, and trying to strategize how you can not lose the most time getting through traffic but kind of protect your own car to, to now sort of being on the aggressive side, being in prototype and having to take those risks uh, to not lose the least amount of time uh, over the course of the lap. So I've got you know some good prototype experience before from PCE. Uh, P2 and DP, so I've driven most most kind of everything, so uh, the driving style in the car is something that I, I really enjoy driving, and, and it's uh, it's fun to be back in a top class, but the, the traffic will be the biggest change uh, on the driving front for the season.
3: Now, you're teamed up with the guys who won this race last year, Action Express. What sort of advice have they been able to give to you coming into the biggest race of the season?
6: Well, it's great to, to join Action Express. You know, as a part of the Wheel and Motorsports Group, they have such a great track record here in the past, um, so they've proven to win they've won here three times i think so just to draw from all that experience and the car setup and and just kind of how to pace yourself and really you know the biggest thing is that this race starts kind of with about four hours to go so we just we need need to stay on the lead lap and uh stay competitive and, and protect our car uh make sure we're there for the big push at the end there to uh to try to win this thing
3: what's the difference biggest difference in driving style between the bmw that you were in last year and the riley prototype
6: well, the downforce and the braking, obviously, on carbon brakes now on these prototypes, so the braking zones are much shorter. Uh, the downforce level is higher, so the high-speed corners end up being really quick. Um, so the low-speed stuff is not too much different. we got more power, so that's always more fun. Um, but the biggest changes come under, under braking technique and, uh, and a bit of the trust factor in the fast corners.
3: Day three of the Roar, what have you learned so far about the car and your setup for the race?
6: Well, I think we unloaded with a pretty good car here uh, with our Corvette. So our biggest thing has just been to gel as a team. It's kind of our first time with everyone together, the four drivers, and with Phil Keen and Pappas and everybody. So we're just trying to get build the communication and working on the driver changes. You know, all the, there's a really short weekend, basically, when you come back for the race, at least on practice side. So uh, you need to be pretty well prepared. So just kind of getting all our ducks in a row and trying to check all the boxes and make sure everyone's happy and comfortable and speaking the same language when we come back for the race weekend.
3: Are you gelling well with your new team?
6: No, everything's going great so far. So it's just a matter of everyone adjusting, and everyone will describe something a little bit differently. But we all like the same things on the car, which is great. And, uh, you know, a a good core engineering group here as well. So I think everyone's on the same page. So we're just, you know, taking our time and making sure we're well prepared for the race.
3: How different of a driver are you now that you are a champion? Does that affect your mentality at all?
6: Not really. It's just... It, more than anything, it's just it uh, gives me a great deal of satisfaction on a, on a personal level. It's something that I've been striving for for a long time and been in, in sports car racing for a while after switching from Formula cars. So, you know, we, we all do this to, to win and to be successful, and the ultimate extension of that is, is to win a championship, and it gets every harder. The more steps you come up, and when you come from junior Formula and then into professional racing and then endurance racing, it gets harder and harder and harder, and you need so many things to go right. To win, So it was just really, really satisfying to finally, uh, you know, just achieve everything that you'd been kind of hoping for and to, to be in a great team and to have a good car and good strategy and, and just one of those special years where everything just kind of seems to work. So uh, it was a really great year.
3: The weather not great today. Are you guys going out in the first place, and what is there to learn when the conditions are so wet?
6: Yeah, there's. I think uh, our sister car right now, the five car, is out doing a little bit of work. We're probably not going to run too much in the wet um, just because now with the, you know, the new date for the roar, there's not a whole lot of time in between here and the race. So while, while there's always a chance to have rain during the 24-hour, uh, we need to make sure that we're as best prepared as we can be. So I think at this point we're going to kind of stay nice and dry in the garage um, and make sure that we, we have all the nice and pieces that are all straight and ready to go for the race.
3: Better safe than sorry. Thanks, <laughs> Dean.
1: Thanks very much. Changing gears here at the Roar and going to talk a little GTD with Patrick Dempsey. Welcome back to Daytona.
5: Uh, it's great to be back. Thank you.
1: Now, tumultuous winner, changing with a new team, John Wright. Great uh, name on the car, Brumos. How did it all come together?
5: Uh, well, John came over last year midway through the season, really helped turn our program around. Um, we had really good chemistry, had a great run at VIR. And uh, with natural progression, and certainly going over to uh, do the WEC and and focusing on that and do a limited run here for at least this year, and we'll see what happens next year. It just felt like the right uh, step to take, and uh, so far the chemistry has been really good. And certainly with Brumos, you know, I mean, there's so much heritage in that. It really uh, steps everybody's game up, Um, and there's a lot of support from a lot of fans and a lot of people that have been through there. You know, it's an amazing group of people and the alumni is uh, is pretty uh, pretty special so to be a part of that is a tremendous honor now how about
1: working with Hurley Haywood i talked to him earlier in the weekend and he had high praise for your focus and your improvement what's it been like to work with him
5: he's been really good i mean he, he really teaches you a lot of subtle things that help your performance and certainly what the right mentality is through a you know, through a 24-hour race, um, and we've been working with him, and I've been working with him for a couple years now, and uh, it's been it's been nice. Uh, you know, it's a, once again, it's a tremendous honor, and for him to take the time to, you know, talk to me and coach me, uh, you, you know, it, it's really special. It's a lot of fun.
1: I remember talking to you the first year you went to Le Mans. Very wide-eyed, as as we all are, the first time we go to Le Mans. Sure. Did you ever imagine that your racing career would progress to the point where you're talking seriously about a full season now in the world endurance championship
5: well yeah i mean it was what you fantasize about you know you have some people that are trying to you know the last basket in three minutes it's like that's the kind of fantasy it's very similar in many ways and um it's been a few years now you know so it's been a steady climb and a focus and a desire so it feels like it's a natural progression um, I still have the wide eye and I don't want to lose that too much I want to be able to realize how you know how lucky I am to be in this position and try to make the most of it I mean there are a lot of good drivers walking around looking for rides and you know I'm very thankful for the opportunities that I get and I want to make the most of it and you know there's something with Brumos and Porsche that you want to live up to that uh, level of uh, you know experience and certainly uh, quality of talent you know there's a lot of pressure on so but that's fun that's why you do it
1: You've grown so much as a driver. Where do you see your next improvements? What are you looking to accomplish this year in your progression as becoming a better driver?
5: Well, I think the thing with racing is really it's a battle within oneself. And then you have your competitors, which is a different type of battle. But I think I just want to be the best that I can possibly be and then see where that puts me. I think that's what I need to focus on. I can't worry about anything else. I have to really enjoy the driving. Uh, the more relaxed I am, the more fun we have, uh, the, the more the more we can step back and be serious when we need to. So I think that's the thing is to really enjoy it um, uh, and have fun while I'm doing it and work hard. Good luck. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Stay with us on RadioLemond.com. You won't want to miss our chat with Jonathan Bomarito, the man who's come back to Mazda for 2015. That's next.
2: RadioLemond.com.
1: Radio Radio RadioLemond.com coverage continues from the 2015 roar before the 24 a little mazda moment here as jonathan bomarito joins us jonathan uh, for you coming back to speed source is a bit of a homecoming isn't it
7: yeah definitely i i raced with speed source in a mazda from like 2009 through the 2012 season so um you know a lot of great memories with with speed source and Mazda and I you know my background with Mazda even goes further than that I came up through their Mazda Motorsports ladder system so to be back with them at a a top level top prototype team uh, is very special and uh, I'm honored honored to have the opportunity to come back and, and drive with them.
1: That ladder system that Mazda has has really produced a lot of talent how important was that for you?
7: Oh, I mean, the that ladder system is kind of the, the fundamentals of, the, of what you learn as a driver. Um, and that, that's what, you know, you need all of those stages and those steps to, you know, develop that skill set. So you're a positive uh, required asset that the team needs at, at the top level. And, you know, it's hard to position yourself. To, to, to be one of those guys and, and Mazda does a you know a better job than any other manufacturer to to help those young kids that have that dream to be a professional driver and and to uh, to meet those goals and and live you know their dream career and fortunately for me I've, I've had that opportunity and, and I'm here getting to do that.
1: Now you took a couple years hiatus from the Mazda program and raced with Viper. A little bit of a uh, school question for you. Compare and contrast the difference between that big Viper and racing this prototype.
7: Yeah, a lot of differences. You know, I've, I've been in uh, the GT cars, you know, heavier sedan production-based cars uh, for the last about six years now. Before that, I came up through Formula Atlantic, Formula Car Ranks, so I have some downforce experience. It's just I have to pull way back in my mind uh, to gain some of that experience back, but the, pr- the prototype car is lighter, more downforce. Uh, the sight picture is a lot different. You're lower to the ground, harder to see through some corners. Carbon brakes are a lot different. That's something that I've never experienced. So, you know, there, there's been a little bit of a transition period, but, you know, everybody within the team, engineers, drivers, have uh, helped, my, uh, helped me speed up that learning curve. And so the, it, it's been great. It's been a good transition, and I, I'm actually really enjoying the
1: car. Talk. Uh, to me a little bit about what it's like to drive the diesel how much of an adjustment has that been for you or does it all just come naturally
7: you, you know you, as a driver it, you don't really it doesn't really matter there's no it, I mean you're, you're doing less RPM so the the engine noise is you know quieter it has a lot of torque um, but the way you drive the car how you go back to power the downshifting, all of that is very similar to to any race car out there, so you know you pretty much just try to adapt as quickly as possible, and you know whatever little nuances each car, the differences from each car have, you just adapt, and you know. Uh, but but driving style, everything seems you know it's very straightforward. It gives you all the driver feedback that you need um, to to really push and you know take that take that car and try to toss it around the track as best as possible.
1: Now, our fans from the United States are quite familiar with SpeedSource, but our fans in Europe, these guys are one of those overnight successes that's actually been here for a long, long time, competing at a very high level, aren't they?
7: Yeah, it's actually uh, 2015 is actually Speed Source is a company. It's their 20-year anniversary. So the team, Sylvain Tremblay, owner, drive, my team teammate, driver, uh, you know, he's run a great program for a lot of years. Uh, they've won two 24-hours of Daytonas. Countless championships, countless races. So, you know, we're racing at the the top level, but it, it's a top level team run, as good if not better than any other team out here. So, um, we, you know, we're ready to to keep that improvement. We've we've seen they've seen huge gains from last year to this year, and I'm excited. I don't want to wish the year away, but I'm excited to see where we are a year from now because it's going to be that much be, uh, better as well.
1: Well, if it is anything like the gains that they made last year was a very difficult year for this team a lot of new car gremlins a lot of breaking in a lot of learning but here at this test you're seven seconds a lap faster that's stunning improvement is everyone as overjoyed as you might think from the test yes you know yes they are to answer it in short
7: but the because we're all racers now, all all's we're looking for is now we only need that. We just got seven seconds. Now we need two to three more. So we're already looking towards that. We're, you know, a, as gratifying as that accomplishment is, it's absolutely huge. You know, I, I think we, we probably don't spend as much time to celebrate that and really honor how big of an achievement that is because we're already looking to try to find that last three seconds. So, um, you know, and and we're going to get there. They're not going to stop until we're there, and that's an exciting
1: program to be behind. This is a big top-end racetrack, but this car, it seems to me, is going to excel at places like Mazda Raceway, Laguna Seca. Is that true?
7: Yeah, absolutely. We're really looking forward to getting to, to tracks like Mazda Raceway, Um, You know, Daytona with these big straightaways, the high banks around here, high top speeds, this is probably one of our worst tracks. So if we can get through this race, learn some more on the, you know, uh, reliability side of things, it's a really good test for that, this one and Sebring for that matter. Um, It's just going to, you know, strengthen our, you know, our playbook for the rest of the year. And, you know, we're, we're definitely looking forward to getting places like Mazda Raceway.
1: Good luck the rest of uh, this this day, the final day of the test session, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Thank you. I look forward to it. All right.
3: One of the most valuable commodities in this paddock is a fast silver driver, and the fastest one of all is David Hennemeyer Hansen. David, congratulations on your WEC championship. Are you excited to be going back with uh, Tequila Patron
8: ESM? Absolutely. I mean, I love the LMP2 category. For me, that was always really the goal. Um, Tom Christensen was driving prototypes, and. Uh, Following uh, through his trail, that's really where I wanted to be too. I had a wonderful time with Aston Martin and GT class. It was really a dream season. We could have asked for better than winning both Le Mans and the championship. But uh, I'm really happy to be back in L&B, 2 I'm really happy to be back with uh, Chacila Patron, ESM. It's just such a great team. They have things together. And on top of that, we get a brand new car. Really exciting, I hadn't driven a coupe LMP2 before, so um, it's a lot of fun to, uh, to sort of go through that and see a project right from the birth. Just a
3: bit like Christmas for you, you get a new car, you get to come with that new car to Daytona of all places for the 24 hours. Now, Ryan D. Al told us you guys are going for a win, you're not just going to use this as a big long test. What do you do mentally to prepare yourself for this 24 hour race since it isn't a prototype?
8: Yeah, it's it's a funny event. Um, I did it last year in the LNPC category. We didn't uh, end up finishing the race, but I got a good taste of it. And in some ways, it's both harder and easier than I thought. It's, it's easier in the sense that uh, I thought the traffic was going to be a bigger issue. Um, and you kind of get into a, into a good rhythm. But it's also harder because there's just more opportunities for things to go wrong. There are more corners where you're just very tight to somebody else. It is a shorter track. We're stuffing in a lot of cars still. So even if you don't sort of get bogged down in traffic that much, lap after lap, when you do, it's at those critical junctions. And uh, on top of that, you also have a large contingency of drivers here. There's just so many drivers needed to fill all those cars. And perhaps not all of them are sort of doing this all the time. And... uh, that throws in a sort of some level of unpredictability where you just don't know what is this car going to do.
3: Nicer to have a roof over your head this year.
8: It is. It is. Uh, it's funny because when I first did LMP2, I thought, "Oh man, this is great. Wind in your face, and so on." And then I did the GT last year, and I thought, "Actually, maybe this is all right." And then also just from a safety perspective, just knowing that you're in a, a carbon fiber monocoque and. If you go upside down, you're not just relying on a roll bar to hold you. There's actually a roof. And from just the stuff that we've seen, uh, I'd probably rather be safe, even though maybe you are going to miss that uh, wind in your face going 320 kilometers an hour down at uh, Le Mans into one of those corners.
3: How is the new car? Have you been in it yet?
8: I've had uh, just a few laps. I had uh, five laps, and then I had another uh, three or so. Um, it's really welcoming. It's, it's an easy car to drive, I'd say. We of course, as with any new project, have a few things we need to work on, and uh, we'll continue to to work on those. But I'm encouraged by the speed it has already. Um, we're not nearly as far off the pace as I could have feared we would have been with a brand new setup, with a brand new chassis, and everything. HPD seems to know what they're really what they're doing.
3: Now, last year you won your uh, championship in the WEC. The year before you were second in the P2 category. What are your expectations for 2015 in the WEC?
8: It's tough. I'd say. In some ways, it was easier to predict in previous years because more of the machinery was the same. We kind of knew the balance of performance between the different cars. This year, there's so much new machinery. It seems like everyone is showing up with a new car. So there's going to be just a a bunch of unknowns. You can't really say, oh, well, the only benchmark we have right now is the Le I don't think we're that far off given what I've seen so far and where we are in our development. So that's encouraging. But there's two other, three other new cars coming. Who knows what they're bringing and what they found. Will
3: you know where you stand after the prologue, or will it take until Silverstone?
8: I think it'll take at least until Silverstone, because with all these new cars, everyone is still figuring it out. I'm absolutely sure that none of the teams that are bringing out new cars this year have found top speed, top pace, top setup. Um, The only car that'll show up as the benchmark is this year. They've had a whole year of development, so I think that's what everyone will be measuring themselves against.
3: How much can you take away from this car in this weekend, and the Roar as well, uh, the proper race as well as Sebring, running on Continentals when you will not be running on those in the WEC?
8: I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, I'm used to running on the Dunlops in LMP2, and they have a very different characteristic. It actually feels, you can change a lot of things on a race car, but changing the tires is probably the one that's going to have the biggest impact. Not just in outright pace, but in drivability and in what you can do with the car, what it'll allow you to do. Direction change and some of those things. Um, this tire has its own set of challenges. Let's just put it like that. Versus, uh, I'm, very, I'm very much looking forward to us getting on what I know, the Dunlops. Um, I ran those for, for a long time and I kind of feel like I know what that tire is going to do. I don't quite know what the is going
2: to do Radio
3: Welcome back to RadioLemon.com's coverage of the Roar Before the 24 and in honor of Declan Brennan we have found the fastest Irishman here uh, Damien Faulkner Damien you were the fastest one in uh, the P3 practice session You are driving with some possibly new faces to this paddock for people who may not know. Uh, Who are your co-drivers and uh, what do you like about them?
0: Well, Shay, thank you for the introduction. Um, I think I'm the only Irishman actually here, so um, (laughs) yeah, it'd be too bad if I wasn't the quickest. But uh, yeah, we've had a good day um, so far. Well, it's been up and down. We've had a good session number three. Um, And then session number four, we've had a a few uh, electrical gremlins. Um, we have a yeah good team of drivers here um, my first time working with Mike Scheme, really impressive really really good first time uh, working with Kuba Jermaziak as well um, obviously he needs no introduction um, he's very good um, if he would just turn up on time now it would be even better <laughs> he showed up a day late um, and then Rory Butcher from Scotland who's um, a very very good silver so um, and then of course Michael as well uh, making his comeback after his uh, back operation and um, seven months ago or thereabouts so um, he's been out for a good bit but uh, he acclimatized himself well yesterday settled in well um, and uh, it's a bit like riding the bike really you know it's, it comes back to you very quickly so um, yeah it's all it's all um, work in progress.
3: Now you mentioned uh, Michael Avenatti was out for a while you had Ben Barker in the car with you last year and uh, I believe your best finish was fourth am I correct in saying that yeah, yeah. But the year before, you got quite a few wins in a Porsche, so you're familiar with how to do it. Is it, like you said, riding a bike, do you expect to be able to come right out of the box at a place like Daytona or even Sebring, the next one down the road? Do you expect to be able to compete for this championship?
0: Well, I mean, um, interesting that you should mention two years ago because uh, it was only um, uh, Porsches. We were only against Porsches uh, back then. Of course, now there's other manufacturers, and uh, which 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 makes it obviously tougher, you know, because uh, two years ago a Porsche always won. So, you know, if you wanted to be the the quickest Porsche and the first Porsche to the checkered flag, that meant you were the winner. Um, That's not necessarily the case now. And of course, there the other manufacturers are very 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 fast. So, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, we were not the quickest manufacturer last year and it remains to be seen how much progress we've made Um, but it's all uh, really in the hands of um, the the championship organizers and the way they run their um, balance of performance and how you know how they come to their decisions and stuff so you know they give some teams breaks other teams they they uh, don't give breaks or rather manufacturers so it's sort of ebbs and flows really so you know the, the people who are really quick will be really quiet and happy and those who are not you know uh seen to be as favored as much if you like um will be shouting so uh, yeah it's it's uh, it's up and down
3: well we know that when uh when a team comes to a track they don't necessarily lay it all on the line but when you come to the roar you push as hard as you can are you going to be happy if you come away the fastest porsche
0: yeah, I think that's all we can all, all we can do, and I probably should have answered that in the last question. But that that's all you can hope to be is the fastest Porsche, because um, outside of that is beyond our control. Um, and again, that was an interesting point about uh, the, the 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 roar before the twenty four. Everyone is obliged to go flat out uh, with no sandbagging. Um, but, uh, you know, if you look at the times, uh, you can. Uh, some of the times are, um, what, what, for want of a better word, loaded, if you like, like a loaded sentence.
3: Well, that was a loaded statement. But, uh, Damien, you've got to run. You've got a meeting to go to. But thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. That was Damien Faulkner of Tully's Motorsport.
1: Graham Rahal, probably most known to fans for his IndyCar exploits here at the roar before the 24 with bmw what's it like to run with a roof again oh it's always fun to be here and
9: it is it is very different you know with uh, with the roof over your head feeling the car you know as much as the car rolls and things like that compared to an indy car but uh it's fun to be here and be back in the z4 um you know we got a little uphill battle here i think certainly with straight line speed and everything else but uh, the guys are working awfully hard and you know last year i think we were probably even worse off, and almost had a chance to win this thing. So, uh, and, I, and I've won here before in a, in, a, in a BMW overall, so it'd be kind of fun to do it in the GT as well.
1: A lot of the guys from the IndyCar series come to the 24 to race. It is because it's fun, but also does it give you a chance to knock some of the winter rust off? It does, you know. I mean, Pagano, I think, and I were joking the other
9: day. I mean, I haven't driven really anything for. I did one day at Barber in the IndyCar in the beginning of November, but other than that, I haven't driven anything since August, September. So um, it's nice to be able to get out, kind of knock that rust off, and and really Daytona, the 24 is is the start of the year. You know, the racing calendar uh, almost worldwide. But um, you know, it's great to be here and and uh, like I said, be back with this team. I hope we can uh, we can have some luck and some success this year. But um, either way, it's fun to be out here with everybody.
1: What kind of things do you go through in a test
9: like this? Everything. You know, I mean, uh, trying to get the cars better. Really, this is the only time you have. When we come back for the weekend, race weekend, it's like a quick practice and then qualifying. That's it. So this is, this is our opportunity to perfect the car a little bit, get it a bit better. Um, so you're running through just about everything you can possibly think of.
6: Well, good luck. Thank you very much.
3: Certain drivers are familiar with Victory Lane, and one who knows how to get here in Daytona is Dion von Moltke. Dion, you won this race two years ago in an Audi. You're back in an Audi with factory support. You've got Renee Raz driving with you. Think you can do it again this year?
10: Yeah, I mean, I think we've got the team definitely that can do it. I've got the teammates that can do it as well, but the competition is, is always amazing here, and this year is no different. It's really, really strong in GTD. Um, but we, if we can go about doing things the right way, there's no doubt that we could be in the battle for the win. Hopefully we can make it happen, but still a lot of work to do before we can even start thinking about the finish of this race.
3: Now, you won an ALMS race in 2011. You won a couple of them in 2012, including the Sebring 12-hour. Back that up with the Sebring 12-hour win in 2013, but last year was a drought. How badly do you want to win a race?
10: Yeah, I mean, last year was the first time in my career that I didn't even really didn't win or didn't finish on the podium I just had a few top fives so that was really rough but you know the energy here at Paul Miller Racing is extremely uh, positive and it's determination here so we want to do everything we can to put ourselves in the position to win and I can promise you one thing I'm working as hard as I ever have before to try to continue doing that everyone's got the same focus here so hopefully we can end that drought and keep up the momentum that they have from the end of last season and get a win
3: that's a big change for you as well you went from flying lizard motorsports last year to this year you with paul miller they did finish the season last year with the win at petit Lamont. how have you been fitting in with this new team and their energy
10: yeah i'm actually surprised how quickly i feel like i'm a part of the team you know as a new driver coming in often it can take you a few races to understand everyone's language how everyone works how they like how i like to work with them But from my first visit in the shop a week ago, they really made me feel at home. They've been working with me hard to make sure that I'm comfortable with everything going on. And I'm working hard to learn their ways. And I feel like we've hit the ground running. I feel like I don't even feel like I'm that new to the team somehow, really. Usually it even takes quite a lot of races to know everyone's name on the team, but I feel like I've got everyone's name pretty much down already. So things are, are looking really good, and I'm, I'm loving life over here right now. It's, uh, it's been really positive and really enjoyable to work with everybody here at Paul Miller Racing.
3: Came together a week ago?
10: Um, it came, we've been talking since petite last season. Um, I would say it came together, if I remember right, I think just before Christmas, but nothing was really finalized until last week. I only met everybody last week yeah so it was it was last minute and teams have been testing since november so we got some work to do
3: well you're driving with christopher haza this year and it's arguably one of the strongest driver pairings in the gtd category what advice has he given you and are you guys absolutely going for the championship
10: oh absolutely the thoughts are all on the championship uh, that's they came second in the championship last year and you know they think that they could have won and i believe them you know there was it was close um I've never really been in a position to fight for a championship, and when I came on board and when I was talking to Paul over the months, I said that's what I wanted to make happen. Um, Chris and I know each other decently well, but now we're getting to really work together, which is great. Um, you know, really, he's been giving me advice on how the team likes to work, what he sees, where we can uh, improve, and, and what they do really well, strengths and weaknesses, and hopefully I can back him up and he can back me up and we can push the team forward and they can push us forward.
3: Well, with Flying Lizard, you were part of a two-car team. With TRG, before that, you were part of a two-car team. Now you're part of a one-car team. How much of a difference has that made?
10: Um, You know, it's difficult to say the weekend of the 24 because it's so hectic. There's so many drivers already. Um, Things are a little bit calmer. Uh, There's less people on the team. There's more of a focus on one car. Um, You do lose the ability to do setups on both cars and figure out what works. But we've got a really good engineer, a really good team manager, a great team owner, and some great drivers. So... We're not we're not losing anything here
3: staying with the 48 car of paul miller racing uh the shoe that they brought in is renee rast audi driver congratulations on your uh upgrade driving the r18 at le mans this year but uh focusing on this race first now you've won the 24 hours before can this car do it
2: i think yeah i mean uh, so in the past years we saw that the audi was quite competitive we were always fighting for, for the victory in the last couple of years so i think it will be the same this year i mean we saw it already in the in the, raw, in the test today, or the yesterday, um, that the field is quite competitive. It gets, from year to year, it gets more competitive and uh, it gets tighter. So we'll see. I mean, uh, at the moment we cannot say how quick we are because everyone is just not showing everything. But I hope uh, that we will, we will be uh, on the top as well for this year.
3: Do you think it'll be in qualifying that people show their true pace or hour 22 of the race?
2: I think hour 22, we will see <laughs> the rear pace of the cars. I mean, it was the same uh, back in the years, let's say the first 23 hours is just uh, trying to bring the car over the distance and then uh, in the last couple of hours the race really starts and um, maybe no no one will show the real pace and qualify but uh, for sure in the last couple of hours we will see the real pace.
3: You've been in an R8 before in this race. How does this edition, this uh, 2015 model compare to the previous ones you've driven?
2: I mean we got some, uh, some updates from 2014 to, to this year, we got a bigger wing and we got some uh, small updates in the car which you could feel of course, uh, otherwise it would not be an update. So um, I think but everybody just got an update on, the, on their cars, so everybody is just a bit faster than uh, the last year. So it makes more interesting for us to see uh, how we are.
3: You're driving with a team who won the last race of the last season, so they've got a bit of momentum going on their side. Have you felt that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the team was waiting a long, long time for that victory, and now they kept the momentum to, to January for Daytona for the Raw. You can feel everyone is very motivated and is very putting a lot of effort into this whole thing, and, uh, yeah, I can feel it, and everyone is, like, like I said, very motivated. They, they give everything, and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the race.
3: Now, you're driving with Dion von Moltke, who uh, we talked to earlier, he won this race uh, two years ago. You've won the race before, but your other two co-drivers have not. What advice have you been able to sort of give them to bridge that gap?
2: Uh, I mean, Christopher and Bryce, they, has, they also have a lot of experience. I won uh, 24 Nürburgring last year with Christopher, so he has also a lot of experience in endurance racing. And uh, Bryce won Petit Le Mans, so he also has a lot of uh, ex- endurance race experience. So. I think I don't have to give them any advice. It's just uh, down to a bit of luck, a bit of performance, and uh, we just need to stay out of trouble for the race and then see what happens at the end. Well, people
3: who are familiar with the Paul Miller Racing livery know that it's a traditional sort of black and white, and this car looks very Audi, and I say that because it is silver and red and black. How much factory effort and help has Audi been giving to you guys?
2: I mean, the team still... Um, is Paul Miller Racing, mm. but of course Audi supports a bit. They send some mechanics and some engineers, but uh, the main main uh, work is doing still the Paul Miller Racing team. But of course uh, Audi is helping a bit, but not too much actually. I mean, it's it's good for for the team that they have some uh, some uh, mechanics from from Germany who knows the car a bit better, maybe in more detail. So Audi gives a bit support, but as I said. Uh, Main of the effort runs the Paul Miller Racing team.
3: And what has Paul Miller Racing learned from this test?
2: Uh, of course, we, we tested some uh, different setups. I mean, we were playing around with tire pressures, setups, and stuff like that. Just, just the normal things. We did some dri- driver change practice today because it was raining today, so we didn't didn't go out. So we just did driver change practice. I think normal things, you know, we are new new driver lineup. We need to just work together and just try to get in a rhythm for the race.
3: Yeah, well, you've got a very good driver lineup, a very strong car, and this is one to watch for the win in the GTD category.
1: Any time you go to an endurance race, a couple of the cars to beat are always going to have the shield of Porsche on the front, and one of the stars of that team currently in the GT category is Jörg Bergmeister. Jörg, you've uh, had quite a bit of success here in the United States. You're coming back for the uh, 24. How's the test been? Yeah, so far so good. Um, I think the car is pretty quick already.
11: Um, Obviously still some work to do and uh, we have to see what the track's gonna be like uh, once the 24-week starts. Uh, But so far I think uh, we're all pretty happy
1: with the car and yeah, I think we should be competitive, hopefully. One of your sister cars won this race a year ago. How much of a leg up does previous success at a racetrack give you when you come back?
11: Obviously it helps, um, but we have a little different car uh, due to the BOP. Uh, We're running quite a bit more downforce here than compared to last year. Um, So the car handles a bit different, uh, requires a different setup. Um, But in general, I think it's, it's a step forward and I look forward to the race.
1: Vic Elford once told me that Ferdinand Pieck's philosophy on racing when he was running the 917 program many, 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 many years ago, before you even even thought of, uh, was, I didn't come here to race, I came here to win. In this competitive category that you are in, that's a little bit harder to do nowadays, isn't it?
11: Well, it's always the goal to win. yeah that's why we're all here um Unfortunately, others have the same goal uh so at the end you need definitely need some luck um obviously a quick car and, and good teammates and again the, the luck that nothing happens uh no incidents and um it's pretty much staying out of trouble for the first twenty two hours and I think the last two hours is when it really comes down to it.
1: Can you explain to fans at home what it's like for a young guy like you to, <laughs> well, compared to me, you're a young guy, <laughs> a young guy like you to race for the Porsche factory?
11: Yeah, when I uh, first became a factory driver in 2002, which is a long time ago, uh, it was definitely a dream come true, and I'm still living a dream, um, Making my hobby my profession and then uh, to be involved with such a great manufacturer like Porsche is uh, yeah. just amazing.
1: What kind of advantages do you have as a factory driver that you maybe didn't have before you became a factory driver? I definitely have a very
11: nice company car. I uh, <laughs> get to drive a GT3 at home uh, on the German
1: Autobahn. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> the factory does some things for the drivers that the average guy doesn't have access to
11: yeah you're definitely uh looked after quite a bit more uh we have fitness camp uh once a year and uh doctor checks like two or three times a year uh so the fitness plays quite a big part in it um and also just working with the engineer developing the cars uh it's definitely not something i had before in my career like that.
1: What's the hardest part of being a factory driver? Is it the fitness? Is it the meshing with the team? Is it dealing with the, uh, the corporate responsibility? What, what's the hardest part?
11: Uh, the hardest part? It's oh, a good question. Obviously, uh, there's more pressure uh, when you're running in Le Mans and the entire board is standing there. <laughs> but um, you get used to that as well. And um, at the end, you have to focus on your job like you do when you're a privateer driver as well.
1: How do you like Daytona? It's a different animal. What's it, what's it like to go out there and go fast? It's always good to
11: come here. Uh, it's the start of the season for me since 2002. Um, just great coming back here. As, as you said before, I had some good success here in the past, and uh, hopefully I can add another watch this year. All right, well, congratulations to you. Best of luck. Thank you.
6: Thank you so much.
3: Easily one of the easiest fan favorite teams in this paddock is Flying Lizard. It seems like every other fan walking through is wearing something of Flying Lizard Motorsports. And, Darren Law, you've got a new role with this company. You're coming back not as a driver, but tell us a little bit about what you're doing this year.
12: Well, I'm actually, I've come back on uh, with the team as a program manager. So I'm kind of running the operation for the team or or helping run it. And uh, it's it's, um, an interesting role for me, but I think I bring a different perspective having driven for this team for almost the last decade, you know.
3: How does that help you?
12: Well, I, you know, I come in with a lot of insight and I'm, um, I know the industry well, so it's, it's maybe a bit of a different role than a manager that ran a, you know, a, a business. Um, again, I understand the industry and I have a lot of history here.
3: Very different driver lineup for this 24 hours. Uh, who are your drivers and uh, what have they been in before?
12: Well, actually, it's an interesting one. We have uh, Marcus Winklehawk, who drove for us last year. He's the one that actually took this thing to the finish line and we thought had it won. Uh, he's, um, he's a factory driver for Audi out of Germany. Uh, we have Robert Thorne, who's joining us with some other programs this year. He uh, comes out of World Challenge driving a McLaren, uh, both very quick. Um, and we have two guys from Jap- Japan, uh, Tomonobu Fuji. i got to pronounce that right. Uh, he is a factory driver for Audi in Japan. And then... Um, Satoshi Satoshi, Hiroshi. Well done. Uh, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and he is a Carrera Cup uh, champion. So uh, all experienced guys, and um, like many of the teams with this class, we have two factory guys and two silver drivers.
3: Have they been gelling well throughout this roar?
12: Yes, it's actually been great. Um, it's been a good experience for the guys from Japan. They have not been here, although they have done uh, other 24-hour races, so uh, the whole team is working together well, and times are good.
3: And are you feeling comfortable with your position right now in the work, considering that you did finish second here
12: last year? Actually, yes. The car, we were uh, second quick last night in practice, and we really, knock on wood, have had uh, no issues. Car's handled well. Uh, It's been fast. So, um, you know, this is such a great team, and and they've been around it for so long, and, and they're so experienced. So I think we've got all the right pieces in place
3: this isn't the main program and the main focus of the year so how does the team prepare for a race like this knowing that they'll be doing this in Sebring am I right in that?
12: Yeah we actually are planning on doing um, we're actually planning on doing four IMSA tutor events and uh, we're also running another series I don't know if we can talk about that or not Uh, we're running Pirelli World Challenge with the McLarens we'll be the only um, uh, McLaren-backed program here in the U.S. so um, really, the McLaren thing is the thing that's new for us in that series. It's a different format. We're very, very familiar with this. This is what we've done for the last decade.
3: Well, that'll be an exciting program. And first, you just got to get through the 24 hours of Daytona.
12: Yes, thank you. Radiolamon.com.
1: One of the GTLM cars that has been fast in three of the sessions so far here at the Roar before the 24 is the number 98 Aston Martin. And one of the new drivers in that car for this year
13: is Mateus Lauda. Yes, that louder. Welcome to Daytona. Thank you very much. How are you liking this place? It's great. It's my first time here in, in Daytona, the first time in the Aston Martin. So, yeah, uh, two days ago I was really a bit nervous and excited because I haven't been here before and I haven't been with the team before. I didn't know the car, so it was a bit tricky in the beginning to, to drive on, this, on these high bankings the first couple of laps. You have to get used to it. It's, it's really strange because it feels much more than it is, than, than it looks like. And uh, we start working in the car and, and the car makes, uh, makes, makes a good impression. I think we're, uh, we have a good, very good package. The track is nice, it's, it's very challenging to be fast in the traffic and everything, but I think we did, uh, we did some good work the last couple of days. And i are really looking forward for the race.
1: When you enter a new team, which is it harder to mesh with the car as Matthias or mesh with the other drivers?
13: No, I think just mesh with yourself, I think. Uh, Learn the car and the track in in the shortest possible way because we are four drivers, so we we don't get much track time. It's not like we can be out for hours and test and test and try everything. You you get a couple of laps in the beginning, and then you have to find your pace as as fast as possible, and this is always a great challenge. But this is for every driver the same. He joins a new team. It's not like you get a whole test day for yourself. You have to adapt yourself as quick as possible, learn everything fast, and then start comparing yourself in the data with the other drivers and learn and then, yeah, keep doing your job. What is
1: the uh, thing you like most about the Aston Martin right now?
13: I mean, uh, it's it's a it's a good car, we have a good engine, we have good power, we have, uh, it's good under braking, I like the kind of braking. Traction sometimes is a bit of an issue for the car, but uh, in general it's, it's a very competitive car and, and good to drive. When you carry a famous name. Uh,
1: like Michael Andretti carried his, you know, dad's name to Indianapolis. When you carry a famous
13: name, is that a, a help or a burden, or a little bit of both? I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Uh, for me, it was quite tough in the beginning. Because I started with motorsport quite late, when I was 20, young, uh, 21. So I, I didn't have the normal motorsport education as many kids have, with go karting and then junior series, and then you know, it, I jumped uh, straight in, in, into the cold water. But I did it myself, not to prove anyone. Not to do it because of my name or I just I have a passion about motorsport and, and, and I just felt that when I did my driving license that I couldn't go slow so I said to myself better do it on the racetrack, it's, it's more safe for the others than for myself. And yeah, it's, I just do it because I really love the sport. I'm a very competitive person in all kinds of sports. And, and yeah, I do it for myself, not to prove anyone. Ah, but that's
1: a very similar story to what your dad had. He came to it late. Uh, it was a different era then, so you, so you could come to it a little bit later than, than, than the kids do now. What are your goals with this team for 2015?
13: I mean uh, first I'm really pleased to be part of the team because it's a very strong and, and professional team and uh, we're doing all the World uh, Endurance Championship this year so I mean our main main target is, is to to win and to win our class uh, win Le Mans I mean this car won Le Mans in our class last year so it's a winning car for Le Mans and I mean our target is to make a really good job in a WEC and Le Mans and for sure uh, the, our first race in the Daytona is a very important one for us uh, yeah I mean we have a car that that can be in front for all of these races and uh, hopefully we do no mistakes and and we can be in the podium. That's our goal. Best of luck. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much.
3: One person who's certainly glad to be back in this paddock and we're glad to see him back is Dominic Farnbacher. Dominic, there's a little bit of uncertainty when the SRT team program went away but you're back in the same overalls, you're driving a Viper. Does it feel like last year?
14: Yeah, it's uh, quite the same except the car is different but uh... We more or less have to have the same same people involved in the program. We have the same mechanics, the same engineers. Uh, It's uh, In certain parts the same car too, but uh, in the GDD car it's uh, a lot less electronics. We don't have a stability control. We have different tires. We have um, a stock engine in the car. The gearbox is in a different place on that car. So uh, there's little things which are different. And the driving style is quite different too because uh, if you drive it like a GTLM car, uh, you're not that not that quick so i'm still trying to change again from my driving habits that i did the last three years and uh, that takes me a while but i think i sorted it out in the last couple of hours
3: well judging by how quick you were in the last session i'd say you would sorted it out but now there is one very big difference instead of you driving in a different class as your brother you're now in the same and you're actually racing against your younger brother how is that affecting you mentally
14: uh, not at all <laughs>
3: no. you don't care no. about him you don't
5: no, care no, about I, his I race
14: do, i do i do care about him uh i hope he does a good race and i hope he doesn't get hurt but yeah he's the same competitor as everybody else i mean mark is in the in the other car for the race and uh, he, who used to be my teammate so now co- competing against him again uh yeah it's different but uh we're all friends if it comes together we don't uh, do stupid things of course and uh We respect each other, but uh, I see him as a competitor. And uh, if he's quicker, he's quicker. If he's slower, he's slower. And uh, if he he wants to know something, I tell him to uh, go away.
3: (laughs) That's a big difference from last year when you'd give him a lot of advice. Well, another difference, you're on Continental tires this year instead of Michelin's. What sort of difference is that in car control?
14: Yeah, as I said, I mean, uh, the GDD car requires a different driving style. because we don't have the electronics, but... uh, um, the Continental tires, I mean, I used to drive on them um, a few years ago, and uh, yeah, it's a different driving style. The uh, tire is uh, very durable, I can tell tell that, I mean, we never had issues so far. Um, also, I have no, no lock-up issues, like I had uh, with the GTLM car, You have uh, it's more nimble there, so it's very good. And um, it just requires a different driving style, that's the only thing.
3: Where on track is the GTD car better or worse than your GTLM car?
14: Um... I think we have a pretty good acceleration with a, with a GDD car, you know, not far off from the uh, GTLM cars. They also struggle getting by us on the infield because uh, yeah, the GDD car is just a, you know it has a bigger restrictor, so it can drive faster. but um, where the GTLM cars really get us is in the braking zones and, uh, and trail braking into corners they can carry a little bit more speed due to the error they have.
3: Now, last year you had to worry about passing cars and being passed by cars. This year you're in what is considered the quote-unquote slowest category, so you don't have to worry so much about passing other categories. Is that less stressful for you?
14: No, not at all. Um, I think the GTD car requires a little bit more uh, patience and also it requires a little bit more work in the car. I mean, uh, with the GTLM car, with the traction control, most of driving does the car itself, so you just control like the top of it and uh, the fine-tuning does all the car, you know With the traction control, you just step on the throttle and the car sorts it out by itself So with that car, the throttle control is basically your foot and your brain and your butt <laughs> And um, that, that makes a difference And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy, you have to be patient Because you're the slowest class, the faster class will even ar- approach faster So that makes a difference too And um, yeah, I mean in, in the GTD cars... Here's uh, in the same class than you, there's uh, also amateur drivers, so you have to respect them and uh, sometimes it's hard, hard to get by them because uh, yeah, they're fast in the straightaway and then yeah, they break the at the same spot as you, but they cannot take the same speed through the corner as you, so that's more or less a, a little hint you have to go through, but um, other than that, it's, uh, it's hard to work, yeah, definitely.
3: Well, it's a different year, different class, but Dominic Farnbacker still has the same spiky hair and smile on his face.
1: Well, that's going to wrap up our coverage from the Roar before the 24 for 2015. But before we leave you, let's take a look at some of the fast cars in each of the sessions. Session one and two were dominated by Chip Ganassi. The O2 car with Dixon Kanaan, Kyle Larson, and McMurray. The Ford EcoBoost Riley was the fastest. The O1 car with Joey Hand, Scott Pruitt, Charlie Kimball, and Caron were fastest in the second session. Session three went to Jordan and Ricky Taylor and Max Angelelli in the Corvette DP. And, in fact, in that session, their 1 minute 39.181 proved to be the fastest time of the entire weekend. Session 4 saw our first P2 car come to the front, the Ligier JSP2 Honda. And that one under the uh, helm of Michael Shank with Pugh, Oz A. G. A.J. Allmendinger, and McMurray behind the wheel of that car. And then the last two sessions... The number five Corvette with Joao Barbosa, Christian Fittipaldi, and Sebastian Bourdais are defending race champions were the fastest. So that's quite a broad cross section of cars that were able to go quick. Of course, uh, today both sessions were rainy. Uh, not a lot of cars went out in either session, so not much time improvement there. In GTLM, it was dominated by Aston Martin and Porsche, the 98 car. Quickest in three of the sessions. That's Pedro Lamy, Darren Turner, Della Elena, and uh, Lauda in the Vantage V8. Both Porsches were able to get on top of separate sessions. The 911 with Tandy, Pile, and Lieb was fastest in Session 2. And in Session 5, it was Bamber, Bergmeister, and Makaviki that were quickest. And in fact, that car set the quickest GT time of the weekend in that Session number 5 at 1 minute 44.316 seconds. Shea, how did it shake out in PC and GTD?
3: Well, in PC, it was much the same story as it was last year. We saw the 54 of Core Autosport, the only PC car with the same returning lineup as last year. They were the ones who took the helm. They were quickest in three sessions out of the eight, did not even run in the eighth session, put in a time in the seventh session as well that was impressive. But their best time was a 141 in the third session on uh, Saturday morning. When we look down at the GTD category, that was a different story. We had a lot of variety there, but the consistent manufacturer showing up was Porsche. The first session was dominated by Philip Bang and the uh, Brumos-assisted car, but it was the Vipers that took home the overall fastest time. Mark Goosen's in the second session, a 146-948. After that, it was the Porsche show. In the third, fourth, Sixth and seventh sessions, Portia, were atop the
1: charts. Well, that's a look at the times. And a year ago, the times from the roar proved to be very significant, didn't they, Shay?
3: They did. We found that the guy who was fastest at the roar was the fastest in the race. And the number 5 Action Express Racing finished P1 in the roar and P1 in the race. This year, if things bode the same way, that would be good for Wayne Taylor Racing and uh, Jordan and Ricky Taylor and Max the Axe Angelelli. They were very fast here, and they might still have some more in the tank, just given how many people are saying that they didn't get to run to their full prime during this roar. Another class who had a winner come from the fastest person in the Roar was the GTLM category. We see Earl Bamber stepping up his first role as a Porsche factory driver is this weekend with the Roar. His next one will be for the Actual 24, Earl managed to set the quickest time in the GTLM class this weekend.
1: Remember, the whole IMS season will be live here on RadioLamont.com starting Thursday, January 22nd, with practice for the Rolex 24 at Daytona. We hope you've enjoyed our three shows from the roar before the 24. For Shea Adam, I'm Jim Roller. This has been a radio show limited production for RadioLamont.com.